All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to skip the prayer part. We'll get that to that later. And then we'll pick it back up, verses 16 to 18. Hear God's Word to you this morning. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then skip down to verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they receive the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Thus ends the reading of God's holy, inerrant word. May He bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. You may be seated. Mm-mm-mm. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I got one thing to tell you, and then I got to prove it for the rest of the sermon. In God's kingdom, there are no undercover Christians, ultimately. Can't happen. But although there are no undercover Christians, we're all in the secret service. You get that? No undercover Christians, but we're all in the secret service if we belong to Jesus. Jesus makes it clear in his Sermon on the Mount, we found this out a few weeks ago when we were studying it, that there are no undercover Christians. He told us, and I quote from him, Matthew 5, 14 to 16, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And then Jesus said this, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Hmm. But Then just about a paragraph later, he says what we just read. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now at first, that might seem like a blatant contradiction. Doesn't it kind of seem one minute he's saying show it, the next minute he's saying don't show it. But once you look at it more closely, you find out that it harmonizes perfectly. 
maybe we could put it this way. When it comes to per- public service in the world, Christians are to let their works of service shine like a beacon in a lost world that has completely lost its way in the darkness. Okay, so Christians are to set the pace publicly, corporately. We are to show the world what it looks like, what God looks like, what his glory looks like, as the children prayed for, caring for the poor, ministering to the sick, reaching out to the homeless, seeking the lost. We need to be salt, we need to be light, and we need to be setting the pace in a world that's gone literally mad. But, on the other hand, when it comes to what, we have, what has been called in the past our personal piety, in other words, the Christian disciplines of prayer, of giving, of fasting, then we must do those things discreetly. And here's the key. Now listen up. This is very important. We must do it discreetly and for God's glory. There's the difference. Because Jesus will say that the hypocrites, they do these things for what reason? To be For their own. To be seen by men. They want everybody to see them. The other reason Jesus gave us why some of our work should be seen, is to bring glory, not to us, but to Jesus. Stop puts it this way. He says, the contradiction is only verbal and not substantial. The clue lies in the fact that Jesus is speaking against different sins. Listen to this. It is our human cowardice that made him say, let your light shine before men. And our human vanity which made him tell us to beware of practicing our piety before men. Now listen, here's a great example. I'm going to bring it right home for you. And maybe we might have to cut this out of the sermon. But for you, I'm going to tell you this. There was a, a landlady, not a professing believer, who I knew very well. And she came up to me and she goes, Sam, i got to tell you something. She said, do you know my tenant came up to me? And, sh- and she said to me, I want you to know before I left, I clean the refrigerator because I'm a Christian. And then she said to me, Sant, not for nothing, it was filthy. My daughter and I had to clean that thing all day. That's a good example of how not to let your light shine, and that's a good example of how not to flag that you're a Christian. I was just watching an interview with uh, Hugh Jackman, you know, Wolverine. My wife was watching. I was just eating something. I kind of saw it. You know, I, I, would ne- I would never watch Oprah or anything, but you know, Wolverine's kind of cool with the claws. In. But he was saying that his dad, he remembers his dad. He was a church-going guy, he said. He was very, very uh, in his words, religious. And one day after service, they were handing out little pins, fishes, fish. There's no fish, fish, right? To show the world that you're a Christian. You were supposed to wear it that week, and you could tell everybody, I'm a Christian. And his dad refused to take one. And he wouldn't wear it. And when he got home, he asked his dad, Dad, why didn't you take one? And I don't remember his exact words, but it was something along these lines. He said, people will see I'm a Christian by the way I live my life. I don't need a pin. I don't need a pin. That's what Jesus is doing here. He is contrasting the way that his followers are to express their devotion with the way that hypocrites express theirs on the one hand, and how pagans express theirs on the other. We, don't, we want to play, a plague is on both of their houses. We're not to be like the pagans, but we're not to be like religious hypocrites either. The key to the whole thing is this. Whatever you do, Jesus is saying, do it with an eye to your heavenly Father alone. That's the message he's going to give us. 
whatever we do, especially, listen up, boys, now. It's enough with the hat, all right? Or I'm going to take it. You got it? Especially when it comes to helping the needy. Jesus says, be careful not to do it in front of everybody and do it discreetly and do it not to alleviate guilt, not to bring yourself glory, but nor glorify your Father in heaven. And he gives three particular illustrations of how we are to be in the secret service for God. It's kind of cool. And we don't need a pen because it's secret. Shh. We don't know. There's three things in particular. Thanks, honey. First thing he's going to talk about is Christian giving, how we can give. Secondly, he's going to talk about Christian praying. And last of all, and briefly, we're going to talk about a little bit about Christian fasting. When's the last time you heard about fasting? Just saying. All right, so let's take a look at the first one. Christian giving. The fact that God's people are to be generous, generous givers, is shown to us throughout the Old and the New Testaments. Last week, that's actually what I preached on. I preached on following God's being and example as he is a God who is a defender of widows. He's a carer of orphans. He, watch after, he watches after aliens and he defends the poor. In the Bible, God says, therefore, you do these things because I'm a God of these things. Amen? All right, so that's what the Bible teaches. But now the New Testament scriptures also exhort the followers of Messiah Jesus, not to neglect the poor. Constantly throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus spending time with the poor, with the lame, with the blind. And we should have my sermon online soon, and you could listen to that if you want to get further into that. But right now, what we need to see, which is really important, and this is something we could miss, what's just as important as that, the fact that we give to the needy, listen up, is how we give. Not just that we give, but how we give and our motivation behind it may not mean anything to anybody else, but the one who's watching, it means something to him. He wants to make sure you're doing it for the right reason. So look at verse two. We'll read that part over again. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I will never forget this. I was uh, somewhere near the highway and I saw a truck go by. Listen to this. And it said this on the truck in big letters. This food donated by, and then it had popular rock star name right there. So apparently this rock star didn't read Matthew 6 because that's the exact opposite way of, of what Jesus is telling us and how we are to give as his people. We're not to flag it. We're not to put trumpets. We're not to have big signs when we give. Now here's the question. Why do hypocrites, that's what Jesus calls them, not me, feel the need to blow the trumpets when they give so that everyone will take note of their giving. Jesus tells us why. Because they want everybody to say about them what a holy guy or girl that person is. Oh, how righteous. They want him to say, oh, he is just such a devoted follower of God. He is so religious. The problem is they have an unquenchable desire 
to be thought of as holy and good by other people. But there's one flaw in that system. The one person that matters, they don't care about. They don't care about God's approval. Jesus told the Pharisees this in John 5, 44. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? Here's the issue. They want praise from others. That's the reward. Jesus says, then they get it in full. You give to the needy. People praise you. There you go. You're rewarded. Sinclair Ferguson puts it this way. Jesus says, this is not a gift in the sight of God. It is a purchase. The man is not helping the poor half as much as he is using the poor to help him. He has received his reward in full. The language Matthew uses here is the same language that appeared on settled accounts in the ancient world. When such men are seen by their fellows, God writes over their lives, paid in full. How often even good Christian people are tempted to use the poor to further their name. Now, I want to say... I can't deny that whenever I'm exercising God's will, whenever I'm doing God's will, which isn't as often as I like it to be, um, certainly I get some good feelings. But I do cringe sometimes when I hear folks say, oh, I just I do it because it makes me feel so good. Well, it's good that it makes you feel so good, but I hope you're not doing it for that because guess what? You think helping the poor is always going to make you feel good? Come join New City Fellowship. Come with us. Come on now. Because sometimes it ain't that fun. You know what I'm talking about? Things get hard. You find that you come up against obstacles and then you want to quit because the feelings are gone. No, Jesus says, no, when you do it, do it quietly and do it to the one who sees what is done in secret. I always see this car, this van going down Atlantic City. I don't know if some of you folks have seen this. It says, God is watching you. You ever see that? I don't know if they're worried about their car getting broken into or something. I don't know. But in this case, we see this very true. We need to live our lives ultimately before the audience of one. God is our audience. You're not my audience. I'm not your audience. God is our audience. He's listening. He's watching. William Wordsworth. You don't hear me quoting from a lot of these English poet guys, but I'm going to do so this time. He says, that best portion of a good good man's life, that's why I don't quote, I'm going to start it again. That best portion of a good man's life, his little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love. Sometimes our UMTs come and we have a debrief and I want to see what did God show you this week and we want to encourage one another to see how God has changed our hearts and our attitudes and, and hopefully He's used us in the community. But very often I'll hear this comment before somebody shares. Well, this isn't really a very big thing. It's a little thing. But, and then they say something that's pretty powerful. And this is what I remind them. Life is not made up of tons of big things. Life is made up of lots of little things. Every day. And lots of little things add up to what? One big life. We should never minimize what we do in the name of Jesus secretly for His glory, how God is going to use that for His kingdom's purposes. 
and in people's lives to bring Him glory. If we truly believe in God, this is a test of our faith. Then we will trust in Him who is invisible to our physical eyes. Our heart's desire will be to to receive approval from Him and Him alone, not men. We will have a desire to pour ourselves out, to spend ourselves on behalf of the poor and needy simply because we want to glorify the One who loved us and gave Himself for us. If we're really Christians here in this room, we will realize how real hell is and what Jesus had to go through to make sure we didn't go there. That's our motivation. Forgiving. We don't need to blow trumpets. God sees. And this is where the rubber meets the road. And, that's a, and then Jesus says this before I go to Christian praying. I always, this one always convicted me. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. And that's where we go. That means give and then don't even think about it. Right? Don't bring it up again. Don't keep reminding yourself, hey. Considering God gave you health and whatever you have to give, you have nothing to brag about. It's all by grace. Second illustration, not doing acts of righteousness for others to see, is about Christian praying. Look at verse 5 real quick. And when you pray, do not pray like, don't, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, the word hypocrite comes from the arena of play acting. Here's how one commentator puts it. I thought he put it real well. In ancient drama, actors did not wear makeup. They wore masks, representing the parts they played. What a vivid picture that gives us of the hypocrite. He pretends to be one thing, but all the time he is really something altogether different. Here's the issue. That word has been thrown around a little bit too much, even by the world. Sometimes when the world sees genuine Christians struggling with their faith, wrestling with trying to do what God says, they say, oh, they're all hypocrites because they're not perfect. But that's not what the definition of a hypocrite is. Hypocrite is not a genuine believer in Christ who falls sometimes. That's not a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who puts on a mask in front of other people so he can look a certain way when all the time Inside, he's something totally different. You remember there was a group of people that Jesus constantly called hypocrites? Do you remember who they were? The Pharisees. He says, outside you're like whitewashed tombs. He goes, oh, you like to look good on the outside. And in this instance, you love to pray on the corners <laughs> with these flowing robes. And, oh, oh thou Father that art in heaven. You know, the whole King James thing. <laughs> Do you ever see those people? And they're like, wow, they can really pray. But inside, you know what they were all about? Jesus says, you devour widows' homes for breakfast. You're filled with greed and dead men's bones. You go, to, you go over land and sea to make one convert, and then you make them twice the son of hell that you are. Yeah, you woke up now, right? That's a hypocrite. 
and especially when it comes to the holy work of prayer. Jesus contrasts that, that kind of showy prayer with this kind of prayer. Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to Him who sees what's done in secret, and your Heavenly Father will reward you. I, I believe, and this is very convicting to me as well as anybody else, your faith is as deep as your prayer closet. Why do I say that? Because in your prayer closet, there's nobody watching except for God. Do you believe? Do you see Him who is invisible? Do you trust your Father in heaven and not need other people to see it? Dr. Will Bruce once said this, to be guilty of the sin of prayerlessness is to be guilty of the worst form of practical atheism. It is actually saying we can get along without His help while the evidence is very clear on every hand that we cannot. Could it be that the sin of prayerlessness streams from our unbelief that He is a living God who exercises direct influence on the affairs of men? Jesus is not saying we shouldn't pray together (laughs) publicly. All over the book of Acts, we see the church gets together and cries out to God. So He's not against public prayer. But what He is saying is, personally, as Christians, we need to spend time alone with God in prayer. Sometimes we don't pray in quiet. Or when we do pray, we feel like we've got to twist God's arm. You ever feel like that? I've got to wrestle with God and get Him to do what I want. Who feels like that? You don't have to raise your hand, but think about it. And I love what Phillips Brooks said. Prayer is not conquering God's reluctance but taking hold of God's willingness. Isn't that awesome? He loves to give good gifts to His children. I don't know about you, but so many times, it's so hard for me to get to that prayer closet, but then when I'm there, you know what I say? Father, what took me so long? (laughs) This is where I really wanted to be all day. In Your presence. Enjoying You for a few moments especially as we are going to be busy this week serving in God's name. For instance, with our team, we have devotionals we provide for you. We want you to go take that time alone. It's just as important as doing the work. as sitting at Jesus' feet. So you will have something to give when you serve others. Last thing. Last area of not flagging it but being in the secret service is fasting. We're going to fast forward to verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What's interesting is the Pharisees and the teachers of the law would use this discipline of fasting to promote their own reputation among men, to earn points with God. They'd go around, oh, I'm fasting. I haven't eaten for, oh, I'm going to faint. And we would all go, oh, what a good man. And Jesus is going, oh. You make me sick. Jesus called for 
Jay McCauley writes, Jesus called for a new kind of fasting that would have no outward marks but would rather be a matter of sacred confidence between the soul and God. Some discipline of the body may be needed in order to give undistracted attention to the things of God. Here's the question. Why do you do the things that you do? That's what Jesus is asking us. Jesus is dealing with true righteousness as opposed to a facade of righteousness. That's a pretty fine line, isn't it? Because sometimes my wife's at work and I'm at home and I do the dishes. Sometimes. I'm not like, you know, maybe I'll vacuum. Maybe I'll even do the kitty litter. And then she comes home. Sits down. Checks email. I'm going... And then finally, I'm like, do you notice anything? <laughs> oh, yeah, you did the dishes. Thank you. And? Oh, what else? Well, I did the killer. Oh, thank you, honey. I'm like, really? And then she's back to whatever. And then that's a rebuke to me because I'm like, why am I doing this? Right? Am I doing this because God says whatever you do, do it to the glory of God? Am I doing this to bring him honor and to bless my wife who's sacrificing so we could plant a church? Or am I doing to get kudos? Yeah, thank you. That is exactly right, sister. You're right about that. That's why I keep her around. She keeps me humble. I'm going to close with this because it's very important. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And when you see how deep even the most simple disciplines of the Christian life go. Two things should happen. First of all, you should fall on your knees and say, I am bankrupt of genuine righteousness. I am empty. I cannot save myself. Lord, have mercy, like the publican, on me, a sinner. So what we call the second use of the law points, a, points out our need for a Savior. But then, okay, so we do that. God shows us. We cry out for his righteousness. But then we go back to this because now we say now that we're forgiven, now that we realize we have no righteousness apart from Christ, how then shall we live? You with me? We go back to the same thing that crushed us and we find our Father's loving words. This is how you should live. Not like the hypocrites. Not like the pagans who pray and babble, babble, thinking that the more you babble, then God might listen. But you go trusting your Father in heaven, trusting that if nobody else sees and you never even hear of whether or not there's any fruit from what you do, trusting that God Himself will personally reward you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this passage that sets us straight, that maybe breaks our bone and then resets it for Your glory. Because, Father, we do want to make a difference. We do want to be helpful. We do want you to further your kingdom's purposes through us and not leave us behind, Lord. We want to be a part of it. We want to be on on your team, as it were. But we know there's so much work to be done in our own hearts as we seek to see others' hearts change. We need to be broken over our sin and our need and our desperate need of your righteousness.
So Lord, use these words to set us straight and grant us good motivation by Your grace so when we serve others, Lord, we would do so discreetly, that we would, our left hand would know what our right hand's doing for Your glory. And Father, so that someday when we see You face to face, You Yourself will say, well done. We ask it in Your name, Jesus. Amen. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. New City's Sunday Sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 215 North Sovereign Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. Oh God is written and performed by the Reverend Dr. Santa Garofolo. Join us next week for a brand new New City's Sunday Sermon.